And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Oh, yes, it is time for another weighing in podcast. We are the guys that will come at you with all kinds of information on combat sports, MMA, boxing, everything. We had Javante Davis against Romero. We had a whole lot of things going on across the seas in Poland with Pujanowski and the KSW. My man, Josh Thompson, how are you feeling, baby? You're looking good. I'm doing real good, man. I'm in the process of moving out. Everything finally out of my gym. It will be officially done. 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 Washing son. the hands of it all. Doing that deal. Um, but look. So I didn't get a chance to watch the Davis fight, so you guys are going to have to wait on my recap. You know, I think John and I have agreed we're probably going to wait until the, the midweek show to drop it. So I want to make sure I watch it step-by-step uh, step and get an opportunity to uh, break it all down. So, hey, but otherwise, we've got a, we've got, there's no fights outside of the Davis fight. There's really no fights this weekend. So we're going to do some fan questions. We're going to talk about a lot of things. But before we get into all that, let's go to weighinginpodcast.com. Pick up some of our merch that's available. Coffee mugs, long sleeves, uh, shirts, all different types of colored shirts, short sleeve shirts, sweatshirts. See, look at you. Yeah, sweatshirts. Nice. I'm getting it. Sweatshirt. And hoodies, of course. You cannot have merch without hoodies, man. Hoodies is like the way of life. That's all I rock these days, pretty much. <laughs> Even in 80-degree weather here in California. Um. A lot of good things going on, but hey, go to that, go to WayneAndPodcast.com and check out some of our merch. Post a picture of you wearing some of our stuff. I've had a lot of people actually hitting me up lately going, man, I love the Ann Still shirt and the hindsight's 50-50. I had people in the UK tracking me down, trying to get pictures with me at the events uh, when we were over there. So that was pretty cool, man. I had a great time. Uh, other than that, like we got a lot other of things that, to cover. We have another shirt to make, though. We do have another shirt to make. Oh, Jesus. It was the greatest one ever. <laughs> Was it the one from the last show? Fuck yes, it was awesome. That's the best, right? That's a Joshism if I ever heard one. That was, when I said it, when I said it, I looked at you guys for a response, but you guys didn't catch on, so I was like, I would I'll just roll with it. No. <laughs> and then, he's lying. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. But then but then I was laughing because then Dave said it. He's like, oh my God, it's the greatest. Go ahead and say it, Dave. What is it? Josh said, if anyone tells me differently, I'm going to lie to them and tell them the truth. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> if anyone tells me differently, I'm going to lie to them and tell them the truth. It's <laughs> uh, the greatest. I, I put oh, it on the. Uh, the it wing comes so naturally, John. It comes so naturally. Dude, only someone who's been hit in the head that many times can come up with something like that. It's great. It was great. <laughs> of course, that's always that John's ass. That's exactly what happened in this situation, this scenario. And if anyone asks me differently, I'm going to lie to them and tell them the truth. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. I love. There's one I also use. It's uh, it's called um, "You Shut Your Mouth When You're Talking to Me." <laughs> <laughs> and when someone says, "I c I couldn't hear you," I said, "Well, then listen louder." So I want to just I, like I want to tell you if there's one you know you're always talking about you're kicking my ass and you're winning all yeah if there's something that you're kicking my ass in it is these because you are oh, like, the you are Yogi Berra Junior dude oh it's great it's so good I, I'm telling you man I'm just coming natural it's a me. talent it's a, it's, it's, a talent. it's a talent definitely a talent yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, talent. a talent we've got to make a shirt too that says it's a talent it's a talent <laughs> <laughs> all right guys uh well enough of us you know we tore you guys up last week with all the 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 Japan talk and everyone was blowing us up in the comments talking about, man, the fucking funnies were so story with the rich Crunkleton showing us the shit. Oh, and then man. James Thompson with his legs hanging off of the, uh, off the bed. 
you know. And then, Matt Hughes um, making mountains. Matt, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Matt Hughes making the mountains. <laughs> Just all this stuff, man. So we had some great stories from the Japan stuff and the history of all that. But, um, you know, there's a little bit of a story. What, Dave, is there something you had something you want to talk about first, or did you want to, or do you want to go right into some news and then we'll go to some fan questions today? So I have a bunch of uh, topics that came up in the last few days here that we will get into, and then we do have fan questions in the later okay. part of the show. So anything you guys want to cover early, uh, let's, let's get well, into yeah, it. Yeah, the, the reason why, because we just started talking about Japan, and of course, who helped build that whole pride, that era, and stuff like that, is Shogun Hua, and Shogun Hua has been apparently called out by Tito Ortiz, is one of the headlines, is that Tito yep. Ortiz would like to fight Shogun Hua. Go ahead, walk us through this, Dave. Yeah, so Tito says he, he wants to retire from MMA this year. <laughs> Again, um, and <laughs> and he wants to retire for, one time this year, like he one retired time one time again. last year, and then how one time. How many times can you retire? I mean, I yeah. mean, yeah. It's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's a retirement in different promotions. So he's retiring from one promotion and another yeah. promotion, and he wants to retire from another promotion. This is great. Yeah. I like that. He he did say um, it's never over, so um, I think that's kind of how he's salvaging this whole retirement thing. Um, as he says, it's never over. I think I've. <laughs> I think I made a mistake with UFC when I said I'll never fight for the UFC ever again. Now I think about it, that'd be an amazing last fight for myself and for Shogun. Uh, I know Shogun has his uh, last fight with the UFC. We're in kind of the same era, so it'd be nice to see Tito versus Shogun. I like that. John, you know what's crazy, right? Is that he yeah. never really fought any of the guys from the Pride era. Who? Tito. You didn't? Tito, no, Tito. yeah, he did. He fought Vanderlei. He won. He, he won Van his. He won his light heavyweight title fighting Vanderlei Silva in Japan. Yeah, that was pre. That was pre Pride. He, he fought. Okay, fought Nogueira. Fought Rogerio. In yeah. The UFC. But but look, but all the guys that came over though, like, did he ever fight Quentin Jackson? No. Never. I know they were teammates. I know they yeah, trained for no. a while together, but they never they fought. Did. That was, that never was fought, supposed yeah. to happen in Bellator. He never. He never fought Dan Henderson. He never fought uh, Anderson Silva. No. Yes, he did he in boxing. F- oh, it's <laughs> that. No, he didn't fight him, John. <laughs> he did not fight him, John. Okay. Uh, um, he never fought Shogun. No, he never fought like, Shogun. You know he fought Ken Shamrock three times, and Ken did fight in. Yeah, Prime, that's so. true. So okay, you know, but you see where I'm going with this. He yeah. never fought the guys that were. You know, he fought, sure, he bought, he fought Vanderlei, but that was pre- He fought Vitor Pride. Belfort. He fought Vitor Belfort. You are right about that. Yeah. Um, Guy Mesger is another one. Fought him that twice. That was pre, that was pre, right? Pre-Pride? Um, he fought him one time after Pride. I, I want to say one time after. Well, not or after right before Pride, he went back. but when Pride was actually, now was, was actually going. <clears throat> He fought guy again. Guy was again. guy. Mesker was a guy that that's so weird to say that. Guy Mesker was a guy. There's a lot of weird things that I say, but to me that's no, a weird no. Thing to say. It's guy, a hard. It's a hard one to get through when you say guy. Guy to, was yeah. the guy. Guy was the guy. So Guy yeah. Mesker, he was good. He was talented. Like a lot, he was a lot good. better than people realize. Yeah, and he was a he's a smart guy too. And I think he's a doctor now. He is a Houston doctor now. Yes, he's so, a, he is one of the nicest individuals you will yep. ever be around talk to he's a you know let's let's be honest i'm gonna i'm just gonna open this up and say it's the truth and i am not gay yeah. but if you were i wouldn't care anyways guy Metzger 
is one of the best looking guys. He's like you. He had all the fucking women. Thank you. Going thank after you. him. You're welcome. Thank Guy, you. Thank you. If you remember when Guy missed his, I want to say it was his first fight in, in the UFC, he had a ponytail. And yep. he and a guy named Jason Fairborn agreed they wouldn't pull each other's hair because you could pull hair back then. Yeah. Right? But uh, he actually turned in, he was a good kickboxer. He actually turned into a very well rounded uh, mixed martial artist. He had a great career. He had some big wins in, uh, in Pride. Mm-hmm. You know, he, had, he had some fights that, you know, he, he went and he fought um, Sakuraba last, mm-hmm. last second. And they agreed to that they wouldn't go into a, th- a third round or something like that. And then he was beating Sakuraba. So the Japanese go, we're going to go to a third round during the fight. And Shamrock made him walk out. He walked out and took a loss on that fight. Wow. And it's like, wow, that's crazy because you were winning that fight. You know, He has, yeah. some, gr- he has some great fights. He's a, he's a, a dynamite fighter, dynamite guy. That group had certain guys that were that were good. That oh, just, yeah. They just came just slightly short. Trey Tellerman, same thing. Trey Tellerman was very – dude, his hands were good. Trey Tellerman was yep. a good stand-up fighter. Yep. Mikey Burnett. Mikey yeah. Burnett had power, man. He was strong as hell. That dude could freaking swat. There was a lot of – but the biggest problem was they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. You know, Jerry yeah. Bolander was a good fighter. Jerry Bolander was a stud. Yeah. I think you they know? beat the shit out of each other, but I don't. Also, don't think they did a ton of cardio. The thing is, because they they, <laughs> they were beasts for the first round and a half. You know, in yeah. a three round fight, they were savages for the first round and a half, maybe two rounds. Yeah. But in that third round, they really struggled. I mean, probably their best one was Pete Williams. No. I mean, remember he, uh, Pete. Pete was good, man. Well, Pete was, was good, good but all the way. I don't think, yeah, he I was don't good. think he was their best. He wasn't their best guy. Well, then you're right. You're right. So, but I would say like the one that had because he had the big win over Mark Coleman. Yes. Then he got subbed by Frank Mir. Boy, but he there did. was got that that whole Lions Den group of guys. I mean, like you had Vernon Tiger White. You yep. had certain. They, they were good. They had a good group of guys. Yes, they just they did. always seemed to come up short. And the biggest thing that they they lacked. Look, the guy. You, let's be honest. The guy that did more, you know, accomplished more than any of them in that group yep. it was Frank. Frank Shamrock, yeah, who actually split, he he separated himself from the Lions Den and went to you know, Maurice Smith. Yep, and ended up being a cardio monster. That was from Javier. The cardio monster stuff was from Javier. Yeah, well, so that all that was that was the difference in you know what made him the fighter that he was. Yeah, it was because, I mean, he was also very slick in terms of on the ground. He didn't have great. Like um, he was good he, transitional wise, like yes, armor triangles, very kimuras. good transitional. But he, but he had no pressure. No, 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 none. No, he was not heavy on top. But no. I can tell you this though, man, he was he was one of those guys that would. He was the first guy that I had ever trained with that would talk shit to you while he was fucking you up. <laughs> he was the very first guy. Very, and it was so distracting. It was one of those things. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And he not only that, he was making it look easy, you know, and he'd also give you chokes and he'd give you arm bars and wiggle out and just be like, come on, go ahead. And he'd let you get the arm all the way straight. And then he'd wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. He was so sweaty. We call it Mexican sweat because he was so sweaty and he had like almost no hair on his body. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, and if, I don't know if he ever wore lotion or anything, but he was one of those guys that like you just could not get a hold of. I mean, I remember having a rear naked choke on him several times. And Deep. 
being deep and under the chin. And he just turned his chin a little bit, wiggled his back this way and this way, and boom, was out. I was like, fuck. You know, super frustrating. You know, um, his kryptonite was always triangles. I mean, I must have caught him several times in triangles, but he was his kryptonite was triangles because he never could remember which way to rotate. <laughs> so there was times he got it right, and there's Went times the he got it wrong. Way. Yeah, and he got it the wrong way, and that shit was already tighter. in. He was like, "Whoop!" Yeah. So, yeah, he was he was he was quite the character man in the gym. But it was fun when he was in his heyday, Frank. He was involved, like he was really involved in being part of the AKA, like uh, grappling. His only he had his own little. Uh, team yeah. within the aka team it was called like the frank shamrock like grappling team whatever it was and they were good man they were really good there was a lot of good guys that were in there and he had just a different style they had a lot of fun you know little they would do like competitions during warm-ups and we we with bob cook with ryan bow with um charles taylor yeah. Uh, myself i mean you know kelly delante we had so kelly many DeLante guys was, we, kelly delante was a he was good he on was the a good fighter yeah, yeah he, he was, was good he wasn't bad yeah, it was pretty strong. The only thing people remember Kelly from was he fought Matt Serra in the UFC. And yeah. he, you know, he didn't do well in that one. It was just, you know, yeah. was it what it was too too big, too big a, a platform at the time yeah. for him. He wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I was supposed to fight. That was my fight. Really? That was my fight. Yeah, and I got hurt again. <laughs> so I think I still hold the record for the longest. Um, I think Sean Shelby will tell you, from the time they signed the fighter to the time he actually fought. I think I hold the record because I got hurt so many times in that <laughs> that initial time frame, yeah. So, but I mean, just to go back through the whole the Lions Den guys, those guys were they were animals, man. They were savages. They oh, lacked yeah. a little bit in fight fight IQ as well Sometimes. as in cardio. In cardio, they just didn't fight smart. And okay, well, that starts at, that starts at the top. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you. Where does yeah. that start? And where did that, that come from? That starts at the top. Oh, uh, they're all be a man, be a you know like yeah. Be tough. No, no, no. Let's yeah. Don't be just tough, man. Be smart about how you fight. Yeah, that's it. Um, we got off on the tangent talking about that stuff, but um, but there was a lot of good stories, a lot of oh, good stories through that. Huge through those lion dens. Those yeah. lion dens eras were just they were just they were epic, man. The fighters, like you said, Mikey Burnett. I mean, at one time uh, you got to admit, you know, look at you. Know, we we've got big teams now, aka being one ATT. You got Sanford. <clears throat> extreme couture but mm-hmm. at one time the lion's den was the team yeah they were the group that was the one that people were going towards and, and then they were killing them <laughs> with their yeah. tryouts but yeah that was uh ken got a whole lot of ideas from what he, what he was put through with the japanese and stuff like that and yeah don't think it was probably yeah. the smartest thing but well i i had to go through the tryout too when i first came to aka right and they were talking about getting me fights and i was like i already have fights they're like well if you want to fight for us you got to go through the frank shamrock tryouts yeah. so i went through that tryouts and, and frank came in because he didn't like me he came in and told bob he's like i'm he's not gonna pass no matter what he does he's not gonna pass i did like 200 squats 200 sit-ups 200 push-ups and you don't get to stop no so you got to stay like in that in that posted position but you only have a certain amount of time to finish them all and so, so I did 200 squats, 200 push-ups, 200 sit-ups, 200 uh, like leg lift V-up things, and then and then after they crush you, you got to jump rope. I think like for a certain amount of time, you know, and try not to mess up, and then keep going, keep going, and then they have you do like wrestling drills, like sprawls, shot, sprint, sprawl, shot, sprint, like that type of stuff, jumping knee tucks, and then after you do all of those things, now, they have you spar. Yeah. 
<clears throat> have you spar one round boxing, one round kickboxing, one round uh, like wrestling, and then they have you do a full round of MMA at the end, and you're getting a new guy every round, and they're just fresh. Yeah, they're just going through it. And I was like, I got to the sparring part, and I was just like, I was getting sick. But here's the thing: as soon as you throw up, you lose. You're done. So I was like, all right. So I went in, threw up, came back out, no big deal. Like he's like, oh nope, you're over. So Frank's like, Frank already had it in his mind. He's like, Frank told me, Bob told me, he's like, Frank told me you weren't gonna pass. He's like, no matter what you did, you weren't gonna pass. <laughs> and I was like, he said we would, they would have just kept doing more sparring rounds. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So Frank, like literally, like six months to eight months later, moves to L.A. And Bob's like, all right, Josh, I got fights for you. Starts lining me up fights. It <laughs> just, you know, so just started fighting under AK instead of Frank Shamrock. And so it just was. That's the way it all worked. Yeah, but he he came in. Mike Swick did the comp. Mike Swick did the tryouts. Um, <clears throat> Ryan Bow, Charles Taylor, those guys that did the tryouts. <clears throat> Ryan Bow was a little man. ball of muscle, man. He was hands down probably one of the nicest guys I ever met in the sport. Super nice guy. Super nice. Married a, married a Japanese uh, female, yeah. and got married, and then spoke fluent Japanese. I think he still lives oh, yes in Japan. He yeah, he still lives in Japan. He actually came. He came and uh, he took my my course. <laughs> Long ago. Oh, yeah. did he? Yeah, tried to become an official. Didn't quite. He's a work. good guy. He's a great guy. Great guy. Yeah. So you you failed him. Yeah, I did. Jeez. What I know. I'm, a, I'm a mean. I'm a mean individual. Did uh did uh did um, Shaolin Ribeiro take yours? No, no, he no. did not. I talked to him and I helped him with some stuff, but no, he did not. It's gotcha. Too far for him to go. He had he had you know he had to teach and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it, got it, got it. You know, All right, well, hey, we ran off on a tangent. Look, that yeah, fight, sorry. that fight's not going to happen in the UFC. Uh, Dana's no. not bringing Tito back. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, nice after try, all though. things, he's, yeah, he's Nice gone try. <clears throat> nice try. But watch, hold um, on, watch. Dana will pull out a fast one and all of a sudden, yeah. No. I don't think so. <laughs> no. But where, where could they do that fight? Doesn't Tito have a uh, contract with Combate? Yeah. As far as I knew, but it may may not. You know, but I mean, Shogun and him maybe in the, um, I mean, I could see them do it over in Ryzen. God, no. Where did they do the Chuck TO3? Was that self-promotion? De La Hoya Golden Boy. Oh, yeah. Golden Boy. Yeah, that was in LA at the Forum, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say do it at the, um, I would say do it in Ryzen. I would say don't do it at all. That's true as well. (laughs) All right, next one. All right. Um, so speaking of a fight announcement, we can be excited about uh, Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez is ready for July 16th at Featherweight. This show is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag will give you a little extra spending cash if you use our promo code WayneIn. Use that little QR code right there. Go to MyBookie.ag slash WayneIn. Use that promo code WayneIn. We'll give you some extra spending cash. You could have potentially made some money depending on which way you went last night with Romero versus Davis in the tank. The tank came out throwing some heavy heat. But how did you guys bet? Romero was Romero was a plus 500. Davis was a minus 800. It was also scheduled to go over six at, at six plus 100. At, at six and a half. Six pl- and at half. plus 100. How did you guys bet? Did you guys make some money? Did you guys use our promo code Wayne in at mybookie.ag to make that money? Let us all know down in the comments below, and hopefully you guys did at mybookie.ag. <clears throat> Does Brian Ortega have the wrestling to get him down? 
Yes. He doesn't. Hold on. Hold on. And this is why. He doesn't have to just shoot for wrestling takedowns. Brian's got good stand-up. He can throw with most guys. And there's a guy named Korean Zombie. And I know MMA math doesn't you know, always compute and add up. But there's a guy named the Korean Zombie who did very well in the stand-up game and was piecing Yair up at times during a fight that he actually was winning all the way up to the last second of the fight. Mm-hmm that Brian Ortega showed you what he could do on the feet with him. Now, Yair's a different breed, and, and he's a different style, and I understand that. But if this is going to end up eventually. It's going to hit the floor. You watch. And I'm not saying it's going to be with a traditional takedown, you know, wrestling-wise, but it's going to end up hitting the floor somewhere along the way. Yeah, but you can't use the Korean zombie analogy. Yeah, I can no, because then Why? I'm going to come back and I'm going to sh- I'm going to prove you wrong. Because his most recent fight, he pieced up Max Holloway. I mean, he was lighting Max up with some big leg kicks, some big. Uh, he was putting it on Max for a little bit there. That leg was a kick close wise, fight. Leg kick. Yeah. Hold, hold on. Let's be honest. It was the leg kicks that was the big thing that Yair was doing that was really working for him well. And when he had to go away from him because his mm-hmm. foot got injured, mm-hmm. his foot was getting tore up. It changed the course of the fight for him. So, yeah, I'm not saying that Ortega doesn't. Uh, that's a great fight. I'm not saying Ortega's going to win. Yeah. But I'm saying I do think it's going to hit the ground somewhere along the way. But look, And that doesn't mean that Ortega's going to submit Rodriguez. Rodriguez has gotten way better mm-hmm. with his ground skills and everything. But I just think it's going to hit the ground somewhere along the way. But John, let's fight. be honest. <clears throat> this is a fantastic fight. Yeah. There's no way around it. Both of them have ways of winning. Yep. Brian's got to make sure that he avoids taking too much damage like he has done in the last couple fights. But he is a stud. He is someone that, obviously, we saw how fast he can latch onto that neck. We see how good he is in the triangle position. We see, you know, T-City. There's a reason why. So it's like, <clears throat> he is phenomenal on the feet. He's got long range. He does possess power. We know that. Can he avoid, because he's got longer legs, can he avoid the leg kicks? Can he avoid the body kicks that could potentially slow him down in a five-round fight? I'm assuming this is the main event. I I can't imagine this not being the main event. No, Number two and number three, come on. Brian Ortega, man, he he is someone that always brings the fight. He's always there. He's never someone that shies away from it. He's going to keep trying to walk you down. He's going to keep trying to win, even when he can't see out of his eyes. Got nothing but respect for this guy. He's a stud. Um. Yair, I have a little bit of, of uh, you know, like, I'm not a big fan. I, I'm a fan of his talent. He is a oh. good fighter. Uh, you know, other stuff outside the cage, you know, it just drives me crazy. But he, this is a big fight. This is a huge fight for him. A win over Brian Ortega puts him right into that, back into that conversation of, hey, I'm ready for a title shot. Yes, Which he's not far off. Oh, my God, no. He, he's not he's far right off. There. He's right there. He, He's wasted so much of his career, though, John. But if like, he gets, okay, think about it. If he gets a win against Ortega, mm-hmm. right, he's the guy because he had a great fight with Holloway. Mm-hmm. So if Holloway ends up beating Volkanovski, you could say, hey, we want to see that fight again. Mm-hmm. And if Holloway loses to Volkanovski, well, then you need a different guy, and Rodriguez is your guy. Do it makes they, sense. Do, do they pull, but is he, or do they pull back Korean zombie and go, hey, you know what? You were getting your ass kicked up until the last second of this fight. 
you were down 50 you 45 you can't use my analogies and stuff you can't use well, what i'm I was just saying to. like do you, do you, do, does the ufc say hey we want to see you beat korea zombie uh, i mean one guy he has did, he did beat him so you can't he say did that. beat him but we want to see he you we want to see you actually beat him and beat him, not just with the lucky uh, it wasn't luck that was i was no. awesome hey he one threw the, it one of he the, meant to throw it he did it. You have no choice but to mean to throw that. He ducked his head down to the waistline and then threw the spin, the back elbow. That was fucking beautiful. Yeah, but I, it was. I, it was not luck because no. it was an intended action yeah. by Yair. That's not John. Luck. I was I was being a smartass. You've okay. known me long enough. Sorry. Come on. I want to make you. Are you just pointing this out so the rest of our listeners yes, understand I that I was being a smartass? Come on, dude. Let's be honest here. The, the, he he's very talented. It was a great elbow. I, I looked. I still consider that to be one of the best knockouts ever oh, in history. Incredible, absolutely, amazing. especially the way that Korean Zombie crumbled. That says a lot because it went from he, he was imploded. on his feet to he literally just he dropped. Imploded. He dropped straight down. Very very uh, crazy crazy. Yeah. Oh, but it's a great fight. Easy. The fact that they made it is awesome that they could get it put together and yeah. You know, Brian Ortega is one of those guys. You know, Brian Brian almost died surfing. I don't know if you know the story. No, I don't know. T oh, tell it to me, John. Dude, he, he, tell was, the world. Uh, he was out surfing, and uh, he got caught under the waves, and he basically had to be pulled out, and he was drowning. But he, he also, you know, I talked to him about it, and he says, and he goes, he says, yeah, and he goes, all of a sudden, he goes, I was being pulled out. He goes, I didn't even know where I was at. He goes, but it, it taught me something. I'm not afraid of dying. You know, he says, and so when I fight now, he goes, hey, yeah, I'm not afraid of anything. It doesn't matter. I've been there. Ooh, that's a good thing yeah. to have there. It's a good attitude. It is. It's a good way of looking at things. <clears throat> it is. It is. Once, once, it, I feel the same way, like, when it comes down to, let's just talk about, like, fighters that seem like they're never in shape. Those are the fighters that are afraid to push themselves in that cardio realm. The ones that, like, they don't understand that, You've got to learn to push harder through that breaking point. Yeah. Because once you get through that breaking point, the rest of it all becomes easy because you know that no matter what, your body will recover. Deep breath, slow your slow your breathing down, walk back normally, okay, get ready to sprint again. You know what your pace is. You've got to start creating that, start setting it up in your mind. Fighters that they understand how much the damage they can take or they're always trying to reset that standard of how much damage they could take. Not just damage, but how much they could put themselves, their body through and continue to fight. Yeah. Like I said, there's mo there, there's been moments in my career, and I, I use myself because that's the only thing I can really go off of. You know, um, There's moments in my career that I look back. The Hermes Franca fight to me was one where I took a ton of damage in the third round, and I look at myself, I go, like, you're not, a, you're not a quitter. You're someone that will keep fighting. You're someone that... That's a question that most fighters ask themselves. Am I, am I good when I'm a bully? Or am I good when am I good when I'm the hammer? Everyone's How am I when, when I'm the, the nail? Hammer. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's good. Everyone seems to be good when they're the hammer. But I, am I still able to fight through the adversity when I'm the nail? And can I still keep fighting? Can I still keep keep trying to win? Because everyone wants all these fighters. They don't want to be down. They don't want to be losing. But they all want that miraculous comeback. You know. I mean. And then I go to the Tony Ferguson fight when I fought Tony. I I. The first round wasn't going my way. Second round definitely didn't go my way. No, that was, that but was in definitely the, not your round. No, but if you look at the third round, I, I'm not saying it was going my way either. But there was never moments I was still trying to get to his back. I was still trying to get takedowns. Those are things like you just throw caution to the wind. You're like, fuck it. What do I have to lose? Once you've already lost the first two rounds, 
Yeah. Like, what does it matter if you lose the third? You know, and I, I tell, I, we t- I talk to fighters all the time. They're like, oh, well, I was like, well, you fought so cautiously in the third round. Look, a fucking loss is a loss in your record. It doesn't matter if you, if you, yeah, if you got knocked out with a second left after you dominate, it's still a loss. It doesn't yeah. matter. Or if you got your ass kicked for three rounds, it's still a loss. So you might as well go out there and lay it all on the line. I think people are just afraid of getting knocked out. They're afraid. That's something I never feared. I was like, eh, whatever. It happens. It happens. You know, that's part of the game. And I've always said this in 10 years, 15 years, the new breed's going to come up and no one's going to remember your fucking name anyways. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, we don't, I don't look back and go, God, man, Muhammad Ali lost all those fights at the end of his career. No, I go back <laughs> and I remember the ones that were historic. That's it. You know, and that's it. Like the same thing with Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture. Fuck, yeah. Randy's got what, like 15 losses or something? I don't know. I would say like 11, 11 or 12. Yeah, he's got, he's got, he's got a lot. 11 or 12 yeah. losses, right? Chuck yeah. Liddell's the same way. He's but got then a ton you, of losses. But then you look at the people that he fought. Exactly. And you go, he didn't have any easy. The easiest oh. fights Randy Couture ever had were the first two fights of his career. Yeah. A guy named Tony Holm, who was a professional wrestler named Ludwig von Borga or something like that, <laughs> right? Big dude who who actually said that he was going to rip Randy's <clears throat> arms off and beat him with him. And Randy's mother, I will tell you, called, saw, saw the promo for it, called and said, what are you doing? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then he fought a guy named Stephen Graham, Super big, super strong, pretty athletic, you know, but those were his easiest fights, really. You look at the the litany of fighters that that guy went through, who he competed against, it was always studs, always studs. Well, look at BJ Penn. What is he like, sixteen and fifteen or something like that? Or like, but look at the fucking guys he fought. Yeah, again, the the easiest fight. I'm going to say Joey Gilbert at the beginning of his career. When Joey Gilbert was a tough guy, but you know that was it. His second fight, well, hold on. His second fight in the UFC was Dean against Thomas. who? Dean Thomas, Dean Thomas. who Dean was Thomas. considered one of the best lightweights in the world at the time. Yes, he was. Yep. You have Dean Thomas. Then his third fight was Carl Uno, and then his fourth fight was the UFC title for Jens yeah, Pulver. That's it. Then after that, you know, he kind of like came back, stepped away for a little bit, and then got refreshed and came back. But it's it's like he never had an easy fight. I mean, like going to the I guess his next easiest fight would have been considered to be Dwayne Ludwig. Enough, no disrespect to Dwayne Ludwig, but stylistically, that was a good matchup for him. That BJ. was a good matchup for him. Yeah, like once the fight hit the ground, it was over. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it never won kind of. And But you look at guys like when he fought Lyoto Machida. Lyoto Machida was what, 225, 220, 225? Yeah. Yeah. He, was the, he was fighting him at heavyweight. Yep. He fought, he fought uh, BJ Enzo, was fought Rodrigo. Yeah, BJ was 195. That's true. But he fought Henzo. He fought Rodrigo. He fought he fought all these guys, you know, over in his... And he fought Takanori Gomi in his own organization, Rumble on the Rock. That was one of, hands down, one of the best performances I've ever seen from any fighter. Just dominated him. Gomi was considered... Yep. Gomi was considered to be the best guy (laughs) in the world at the time at lightweight. Everyone kept talking about it. Everyone kept talking about it, yeah. Yeah, he proved that wrong. Yeah, that was really wrong. He just dominated... Talking oh. to me from beginning to end, and that rules meeting conversation. When I was sitting there listening to that, I think I said this about three or four weeks ago when we were talking about it. every time Gomi came over because he came over from that pride kind of you know like stomp the heads, kick the you know do all those things. Every time Gomi's like, oh yeah, so we we uh we need the head on the ground, and BJ's like, because that wasn't supposed to be in the original rules. He's like, yeah, whatever you want. 
yeah. And he like, was just looking right at him in the eyes the whole time. He's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever he wants. He's like, oh, uh, stomp the head. Like they're, ta- they're translating for him. Stomp the head. He's like, yeah, stomp the head too. Whatever you want. Yes. Yes. He just kept doing that. And I could, you could just tell the look on Gomi's face. He was expecting me like, oh, no, 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 no. We're just going to do these rules. And BJ's like, no, everything, everything, everything. Spear elbows. He's like doing this to his head. Like, you know, he's like letting him know, no, no, we're doing everything. This is a fucking street fight. Yeah. And you could just see a little bit of the change and like, this is my town. I'm in Hawaii fighting you. And it changed. It changed a lot. I don't know if you know in that fight, in that whole sequence, they flew Gomi to New York first before they flew him to Hawaii. <laughs> oh my God, you're kidding me. <laughs> no, they, they flew pulled, him they, all the way to New York. They pulled, and there was a, another, they, they, they pulled a Japanese trick right Yes, on. <laughs> they did. Yep. They flew him all the way to New York and they flew him like, I want to say like another location. Oh and then that God, was the next location he flew. Yeah, they flew him like, he had like two or three stops, but he flew to New York first. Oh. Fucking, that's brilliant. Brilliant. That's brilliant. When you're, I, the Japanese do it to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. So, uh, overall, though, okay, Brian Ortega and um, Rodriguez, going to be a great fight. We're back on I'm that looking. I know. Let's get, we're past that one. Okay, Damn. let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <clears throat> next one. Ah. All right. All right. So, next fight, uh, we have one at light heavyweight for August 6th, and it's Santos versus Hill. That's really actually a. A solid matchup. It's a good it one. Jamal Hill in the stand-up look. Diago Santos has his rushes, and he is fast, and he's got these blitzing attacks that he does. Jamal Hill, he's got power, man. He's got power, and he's got length. And he's going to be a – that's a great matchup. Either guy can win that. And that's – if you're Hill, you know, coming in, what, ranked 10th there? Mm-hmm. Coming in and saying, you know what, I get a win against Thiago Santos. That's going to bump him right up. That's a great fight for him. Santos has definitely got his hands full with Hill. Uh, that's that's a pick em fight right there. So I look at it as a pick em fight. The speed and the reach are going to go to Hill. Um, the power up, I mean, like in terms of punching power, I'm going to probably put it in Hill's department. Yeah. But in the kicking department, if he'll if if Santos gets after the legs and the Your body abs. right away and keeps his hands up, it may cause some problems because Hill's oh, yeah. taller, longer. You know, he's got those kind of skinnier legs. If yep. he gets after the legs quickly and that calf kick and that those leg kicks, yeah, he puts a lot of weight on that front leg too. So yeah, well, I mean, he's got it if he's gonna start sitting down on them punches to land them those hard shots. That's true. I mean, he's good. This is a huge step up in competition for him though, yes, and a it big is. name. Yeah. I think I think he can get it done. I do think he can get it done. Yeah. I like I like how composed he is out there. He is extremely fast. If he does touch the chin, I could see Santos going out. But I mean, he's gonna have to get past those body kicks and leg kicks because Santos is probably one of the hardest kickers in the game, man. He's oh man, he's he's got some serious power on yeah. his kicks. You know, I don't know. It seems to me there's there's two ways of going after Santos, but the ground is usually a good way if you can get him there. You know, and you look at go back and you can what Gegar Musasi hurt him on the feet, finished him on the ground. Look at what uh, Glover was able to do. He was getting lit up in the stand up, but worked towards getting those takedowns, survived, and then won the fight with it. That's that's a place I'm not sure that Hill has the the actual skill set to cause Santos those kind of problems down there, though. He's not Gegard and he's not Glover on the ground, but. It's a great matchup, and I think in the stand-up, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be a good fight. Yeah. Good luck to both those guys. All right, next. 
All right, <clears throat> and we do have another fight announcement. Uh, Paddy Pimblett <laughs> versus Levitt at lightweight on July twenty third. Against Levitt, the tweaker, the oh, man, man who which, is which the one? twerker. Twerker. Which tweaker. one? They both do. They both, <laughs> they both they have a little of, weird funky they do it, dance. They, they, they do. do. They do it different way. So we're gonna call this the twerking battle of the world. This is this is <laughs> nuts, John. You, uh, when you, if you're gonna put these two guys, I, I want to know how Patty Pimblett's gonna make the weight. Uh, he gets in shape. He is so big right now. Have you not seen that guy's face? Yeah, but some guys puff up, and that's just part of. It's crazy, right, hold on, man. Hold on, this is the difference. He's young, and yeah. he can do that right now. It will catch up to him later on. It'll catch John, up to him. He looks like Podcast Dave before he started running. <laughs> before Podcast Dave started running, that's what he looked like right there. <sighs> the hair, the haircut, and everything—that's what Podcast Dave used to look like. <laughs> oh man, we got to post pictures of. If you guys have not checked out Podcast Dave's um, Instagram, scroll all the way down to the bottom with all the blonde hair shots. It's uh, so great that these, you know, the Eminem, the fake Eminem oh, lookalike. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> I love it. I love Don't do that. It. This Don't do is that. I, I love to I love to pull those pictures up and send them to him every time Dave starts talking shit to us. So does John. He's like, "Is that you, motherfucker? Is that you right there talking to me about my gray hair? Is that you right there, huh? Dying your hair bleach blonde?" Jeez, I love it. I love it. This is a good fight. Uh, it actually look at Jordan's good. Mm -hmm. He's he's actually got a good ground game. Pimlet on the feet has more power than him. Yeah, it's it is going to be the problem for you know Jordan's going to have to figure out how to you know take his time get to the clinch work in the clinch once he gets it if he can get into any type of position where they're clinched up Jordan's got a good chance at beating him now I don't see it in a lot I was the guy before that was saying you know why isn't Patty Pimlet fighting better people you know then I found out he's on a twelve and twelve you know I, yeah. I heard I heard of this contract change but if it did great if it didn't. You know, you can't expect him to fight the big names and stuff. And Jordan's not a big name, but Jordan can fight. Jordan's a tough guy. Yeah. Even though he twerks after the fight, it's a little weird. So does Pimlet. 12 and 12, John. Yeah. Jeez. That's like fucking numbers when they first took over the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> These fighters. No, they were two, two and two, two back then. Four and I know. I was one of them. <laughs> two and two, four and four, eight and eight. Yeah, baby. That's what the numbers were. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. looking at 12 and 12 going, yeah, baby. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> shit back then. Yeah. But I mean, you know what I mean? It's 12 and 12. I mean, for someone who is bringing in numbers, who brings in, he's for him, brings in a country. Because he is, he is starting to bring a whole lot. You know, people oh, are yeah. excited about him. His country follows him like his, there's no, you know, tomorrow with it. So that one, um, they're, getting, they're getting away with something. Mm hmm. I was gonna. Uh, Kayla posted. Kayla Harrison posted uh, this picture. Did you see the caption? This one right here. Um, oh crap! Did, Ka did Kayla it. post something of her beating Horiguchi? No, I would love to see that though. We always we always tease. This is part of our thing with Kyoji Horiguchi. We always tease him because Kayla's always saying he's, she goes, "Oh, I you know, just to ask him, ask him if I submit him." And we, every time we go, you know, Kayla's saying that she submitted. She. He just starts yeah. laughing. He's the funniest guy, man. He's great. He he speaks English really well. He pretends like he doesn't, but he does. Oh yeah. And he's hilarious. And he's like, got oh, a no, great he laugh. Every yes, he does. And everyone says that he speaks English just fine in the gym because he loves to talk shit. Yep. I love it. What's the what's what's, what's the uh, caption say? So it's, she wrote on Twitter, "I'm almost afraid to do this on Twitter, but I have faith in humanity. 
caption this and it's this picture of her with her arms crossed which i'll post for you guys on the show on the video show um and i, I was gonna reply but i thought better of it but um yeah. i was gonna reply <laughs> and say God. when dana offers you your 12 and 12 contract for your first fight in the ufc <laughs> <laughs> and she's got that face. that's a good one though yeah, yeah 12 and 12 i could see that yeah if dana <laughs> offers you that i mean Patty got his good wins. You know, he, he's dealt with some adversity in both fights. He's got the wins. Um, this is going to be a big fight in terms of if this fight does hit the ground. We're going to find out if his grappling is better than, than uh, what did you say his name? Levitt? Levitt. Jordan Levitt. Yeah, we're going to have, we're going to have, a, we're going to see. Levitt's good on the ground. On the feet. Yeah, I know. He's not that good on the feet. That's the problem. He's, he suffers on the feet. I think Patty can sprawl and brawl, keep this fight on the feet. Now, if it goes to the ground, I mean, I think he's. He's obviously Patty's good on the ground, but I also think that everyone give people give him too much credit. He's not like a he's not a top level jitsu guy. No, he's not. And so when people start saying, "Oh, his grappling's really good," it's not. It's not no. top level. If you take a it's, look at what happened with him and Soren Bach when uh, Soren yeah. Bach took him down, he was unable to do anything that caused Bach a yeah. problem. Uh, unable to do anything that caused Bach a problem in keeping him down. So. Yeah, I mean, there's just these, there's just those guys that just have that they have a they they have different styles of jujitsu. Let me give you an example. Genki Sudo, his name came up yesterday. Oh, I was in the middle God. of a conversation. The guy's grappling was fucking insane. Yep. The shit he would do, it was crazy. Those are guys that are funky, different style, different styles of like jujitsu. Remember the time where he he stood up in someone's guard and they opened their guard and he just locked around. And he started swinging them around in a circle. Like, you know, like straight out of like the WWE. That was, you and, know who uh, did that first? Remember Charles Bennett, Crazy Horse? Oh, yes, I do remember. Crazy, I can't remember the guy's name that he was fighting, but in King of the Cage, he did that and slammed his head into the cage. He started spinning oh, him around and boom, bounces him off of the cage. That's <laughs> so funny. Dude, Charles Bennett was one of the craziest bastards ever. Yeah, and you talk about a guy that was just perfect for our sport. At the time, yep. Charles Bennett was one of them. Yeah, that guy was nuts. He yep. got choked out by uh, Vanderlei, right? He got choked out in the back because he actually yeah. not, he hadn't he got he didn't get choked out by Vanderlei. He got choked out by uh, Cristiano, who was Vanderlei's jujitsu coach, got because it. he had he had hit Vanderlei and knocked Vanderlei out in the back oh, shit. at Pride, and then Cristiano ends up triangle choking him and and uh, choking him unconscious. Yeah. Jeez, man. But then, uh, he was Crazy Horse was part of the uh the Hammerhouse crew, right? With uh Baroni and Coleman and those guys, I believe. I don't think I don't think he was He wasn't part of, part anything, of the Hammerhouse, but he's, they were all kind of mixed just, together. He was his own guy, man. He fit he was, right in with those guys, by the way. Oh yeah, dude. He fit right in with those guys. I think it was during that that like I think they were all kind of parted with each other. Yeah, cuz I remember Baroni had some issues with with Vanderlei, and I know that Coleman had some issues with those guys as well. They, well, they if didn't you like... remember, yeah, that all started with, remember Coleman fought Shogun yep. in Pride and was doing was going for a takedown, and Shogun Dislocated. actually turned to try to get out and fell, and his elbow dislocated. Mm -hmm. And Coleman, you know, the referee was trying to stop Coleman, and Mark being Mark, he's just going after him, going crazy, right? And Vanderlei had, you know, Vanderlei, they all jumped in the in the ring and they started started fighting and that was the big thing that all started. That's where they we hate you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so Pimlet, you know, he's got good grappling. 
it's not it's not as high level as most people want to say it is, but it is good, and it will get better as he he's a young kid, man. He yeah, will get yeah. a lot better as he grows um, into into himself into a matured adult. fighter. Yeah, an adult. Yeah, he's really he's really getting. We've already seen the little bit of the leaps. Like he's already getting a little bit more composed. He's already yeah. getting a little bit better in terms of from his first fight to the second fight in the UFC. This is a big challenge for him. He's gonna have to keep this thing on the feet. I think on the ground he'll be fine, but there could he could deal with some adversity on the ground as well. Uh, I think he, I agree with you, John. He's got the power. He's got the power. I think he's got the better stand up and the ability to sprawl and brawl. I think he's also the more explosive fighter. He is the better athlete. Um, but Levitt though can get it done as well. It just I think he's gonna have to be on the ground if he's gonna get it done. So yep. Next what else one. you got for us? All right. Uh, <clears throat> Not an official fight, but Nick Diaz is saying that he wants to fight. He told TMZ he wants to fight by the end of the year. He's basically saying, like, um, he's like, I don't want to get beat up by all these young guys, so just give me the title shot because uh, I'm the draw. It's basically what he said. Yeah. It, okay, so I posted this on my – I posted something like this on my Twitter. I said, I want to see him fight. I wouldn't mind watching him fight for the title. I get it. But I said title. That doesn't mean that I'm talking about the, the welterweight title. I could be talking about the BMF title. I wouldn't mind watching him and Masvidal fight. Oh, Masvidal, Masvidal and his brother fought. I wouldn't mind watching, you know, uh, Masvidal and, and Nick fight. Nope. I, we've said that when when Nick came in to the back, came back into the UFC. We were talking about that. Yeah. That was the fight that they should have made right away for the BMF belt. Keep in mind, Colby's a champ though, the BMF champ. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But I want to. I want to see. I would like to see that fight. I'd like to see Masvidal and him fight. I, I look fight, at that's the fight to me to make. I look at it. I thought the fight that they put together with him and Robbie was was a good fight. Now I know that Nick in the end said that he had problems with it based upon you know, I have nothing to win. Yeah. Okay. And, and you know, and that can be a problem in, in someone's mind as far as look, I've already beat him, and so I feel like you know I have nothing to win. But if you go and you watch that fight, first off, he fought his ass off. Yeah. He was given everything that he could. Robbie fought one of the best fights I've seen Robbie fight, you know, mm -hmm. in a long time. It was a great matchup. And if there's one thing that you know with Nick, he's going to come and give you everything that he's got. You know, and so, you know, would I mind seeing him against uh, Kamaro? No, I wouldn't other than this. Kamaro would stand with him until he started getting lit up. And then he's going to go and use his wrestling, which he should. I'm not saying he shouldn't. But what is Nick always complaining about? People wrestling him, then it's on the ground. Yeah. And it's going to end up being, yeah, he can try to you know use his submission game and stuff. But you know, I don't think that Kamara would end up standing up with Nick that long, that much out of the first round. Things would start to become difficult. He is a handful as far as the way he creates – you know situations that he just touch, 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 and then he he'll he'll throw power in there, and he'll take shots to give shots, and he just keeps this buzzsaw action going that makes you start to become more defensive than offensive, and you end up saying screw this, and when you've got yeah. that wrestling background, you're Kamara Usman, you're going I'm taking him down, and you know that's that's what I see here. Yep. Yeah, I, I would agree with the Kam Kamaru Usman. I think the same thing with the Colby Covington situation. When you put him against wrestlers, both the Diaz brothers, 
like they have a hard time. The physical strength isn't there for their submissions anymore unless they catch them off of a guillotine or a triangle or something where their limbs, the length of their limbs, yeah. will help them. You know, um, Darces, Anacondas, that type of stuff, I could see them really working into because of the, the length of their limbs. Um, Nick, to me, at 185 is not a fighter. Like, you know, it's not the fighter that you would like him to be. 170 is the fight to make it at, but I don't know if he can make 70 anymore. I don't know if he has the desire to make 70 anymore. So realistically, he, him at 185, you've got to pick the fights, you know, and, and the UFC, to be smart, they understand he's never going to be champion, but use, use him as much as you can to make money. You know, he's a draw. There's no fucking doubt that he's a draw, Yeah. you know, and I'd love to see him and his brother on the same card. There you go. You know, and even if it's a farewell to both of them, who, you know, whatever it is, like let them both ride out into the sunset and be like, Hey man. You guys served your purpose. You're both getting older. Let's uh, let's you know whatever him and him and him and Mazadal would be a good fight. You know, you put Nate with Dustin, that'd be a good fight as well. Or back with Connor. That those two fights right there would be huge draws. <laughs> you know, you put those two fights on. I mean, I know you can main event them on their own. Yeah. But you have if you let's say you have Connor and Nate as the main event, and you've got Nick and Mazadal as the co-main, and whoever else you put on there, no one will give a shit. Doesn't matter what your card, the rest of your card is. It could be all the twelve and twelve fighters. No one would care. They'd all buy the pay per view. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that's something I would look maybe into. I mean, I would like to see. I'd like to see him get a good fight though. Give me somebody else that he could fight, who's getting a little bit older in age. Stephen Thompson. But then that style doesn't really. No, you could. I think that would have been one of the people I would have brought up. Is I think Stephen Thompson against Nick would be interesting. Look, you know, you know, Stephen Thompson's not going to try to take him down. You yeah, know, it's going to be a stand-up battle. But the problem is with Nick saying exactly, you know, I don't want to fight if it's not for the title. Mm. I want to. That's what's going to motivate me. Yeah. Okay, you know. So that the problem is, you know, Stephen Thompson isn't the champion. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure he would want Get, that fight. Then maybe you'll BMF about with uh, Mazda. Oh, I like. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's not for the world title, but it's for the BMF yeah. title, and that's. But you know, does the UFC want to do that again? Yeah, I mean, what Nick's got? How many titles? He's got the Elite XE title. He's got the Strike Force title. He's yeah. he's got a couple other titles. I don't know. He's got some other ones, I'm sure. But all right, well, hey, that's a fight too. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the UFC does with him. We'll see. All yeah. right, next. <clears throat> okay, next story. So I want to get your thoughts on uh, Frankie Edgar saying that he. Um, Basically, you know, it's undecided on retirement. So and so, you yeah. know, where do you put him um, if he is undecided? Is he going to be bantamweight, featherweight, and who does he fight? And where does he fit? Um, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I talked to him yesterday. Actually, I was on the phone with him yesterday, chatting it up a little bit. And uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I don't know what he wants to do. I don't want to talk. I didn't talk to him about his fighting and what he's going to do, but uh, some other things. But he's um. He's in. He's in a in a in that position of where do I, what do I do? Do I go to third? Do I thirty five? Do I go back up to forty five? Make myself feel healthy. The the speed and the power is going to be a factor no matter where he goes. I don't know, man. I mean, he's going down to thirty five. The speed's only only worse. The yeah, speed, the speed differential. Like, Frankie Edward Edgar lived his career off of being the faster guy. He made himself off of being the faster guy. He was fast. Mm -hmm. He was in. He was out. His wrestling was sharp. He would. He, he was able to use his hands to get to his wrestling. 
takedowns and stuff. If you, you know, it all comes down to this. What is it you want to do? Is it you just want to have a fight or is it that you want to compete to become the very best once again? Yeah. And if that's what he wants, and I, and I love Frankie Edgar. I think he's mm-hmm. one of the greatest guys out there. But that time has passed. He's not going to be the champ. And I know that's a hard thing to say, and I, and I, it is. I, I don't want to ever, you know, in any way put him down. I love him. But he's not going to be the 135-pound champ, and he's not going to be the 145-pound champ. So why are you yeah. fighting? You know, he's got, he's got all these things going for him, and he is, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. He is just a phenomenal person. I don't want to see him go out, you know, trying to take out, you know, these guys. I do think that if you're going to sit there and, and if he wants another fight, you know, I do think that that fight with, if it's 135, that's where you want to stay, Dominic Cruz. Yeah. That's a legends fight. That's a great fight between yeah. two legends of the sport, both ex-champions. That could be something, but no, I agree with you, John. I I look at like, hey, you're you guys, they're giving Shogun his fights, you know, not against world beaters. Yeah, they're giving other fighters that are getting older in age, you know, Dan, uh, with Jim Miller, they're giving him fights that are, you know, that that they feel like he could potentially win. Frankie's in that position now as well. Let him make his money. Let him move on. You know, whatever it is he wants to do. Yeah. Uh, if he wants to try to make another run, I don't know. You know, I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, and I don't I don't think it is, especially as you get down lower, the speed kills and he's losing the speed a little bit. Yeah. The the ability to get in deep on takedowns, you know, and, and hit the angles and turn the corners and do all it's it's slowing down. And so that's gonna be hard and difficult with the guys that are one thirty five and one forty five. So and just the sheer size of the guys at fifty five. I mean, oh, yeah. we used to say that before, but then he was also a lot faster. Yeah, but the, now, the bottom he's, not, line, now yeah. he's not going to be a lot faster. No, exactly. And so exactly. you're not going to be a lot faster, and you're not going to be bigger, and you're not going to be stronger. And it's like, that's not good either. Look, and this is, again, his last two fights, his fight against Corey Sanhagen and his fight against Marlon Vera. The, the Sanhagen fight was fast. You know, he, did, he hardly got going. But that was a huge knockout. Yeah. That knee, I mean, it just blasted him and then the marlon vera with the front kick again huge knockout there comes that point where those things start adding up and you and then you just can't the next one it it doesn't have to be as devastating as those two and it's still going to put you out yeah you know and it's there just comes that point and i don't want to see frankie get into those you know I don't want to see him be the opponent. And, and this happens in fighting all the time. If you're the UFC, I know he makes good money. I know, you know, uh, you're paying him. So they don't want to put him against someone that is a nobody. They want to use his name. It's the same as, you know, I mean, I, I remember not yelling, but being in a, a discussion with Sean Shelby over BJ Penn when he was going to fight Yari Rodriguez. And I, and I said, I said, why in the fuck are you doing that to him? I said, Sean, you know. I know and you yeah. know. You know what's going to happen in this fight. And he looked at me. He says, John, what do you want from me? He goes, I got a guy that makes a ton of money. I said, you want me to, you want me to put him against someone that he can beat? 
so he can then want more money and another fight. He goes, or do I use his name? And I was like, our business sucks. Yeah. It really does. The reason why it sucks is because we've, like for myself, I've grown up watching these guys. You know, and you, you've been in the cage with them. You know, it's like you've you've come up you like, know watching them. all these guys. They're good yeah, people, man. And, you know, yeah, some guys. And, and, and Frankie, he's a cut above. Mm-hmm. You see the stuff that he does for other fighters. You see the way he interacts. You see what he does. This is a guy pure class throughout. You don't want to see him go out like that. Yeah, he's never jeopardized himself for a sellout type situation. He's never he's always putting his friends and his and his family and and his career first. He's always been a company man. He's always you know said and done nothing but just tried to toe the line for the for the UFC oh, yeah. to make sure that he's always been the good. He's been great for just with them, but he's he is a big big time uh, proponent of young athletes living their dreams his kids i think he's in virginia beach right now you know with his family you know wrestling. kids wrestling yeah. kids wrestling like he's a stud man the guy does so much for his community my mom lives right down the road from him in tom's river maybe like quarter mile maybe a mile away something like that you know and she always sending me paper clippings of you know of yeah frankie made the news today or frankie's in here for this or frankie's in the newspaper for this you know i mean that's they still my mom still reads the newspaper by the way <laughs> So does my dad. I'm like, what the uh, hell? Yeah, but funny. I'm always getting like pictures of newspaper clippings. Oh, Frankie's in the newspaper today. And I was like, he is, he's an absolute amazing person. Um, his family is absolutely amazing too. And um, yeah, I agree with you, John. I don't want to see, I don't want to see that end, end part, you know, the way that, yeah. you know, some fighters go out. I don't want to see that. And nope. I, I want to see him walk off into the sunset. Yep. I mean, I, see, he's one of those guys I would like to see him get involved in, you know, um, in management because he built well, he relationships. He has been. Let's be honest. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, he has. He has you know, but I'd like to see he, him have and have he a continue really. On, he, could, he could continue on with that and make it to where, look, he's he's one of those guys. You know, look, Ali, you know, is is dominant MMA. Frankie started him. Let's just yeah. be honest. Yeah. Now I'm not, and that's taking nothing away from Ali. Ali's done no, a great no. job. He's worked his ass off. He's done all the things that he's supposed to do. But that was the guy that he used as credibility to yeah. get himself started. Yeah. And and, Fra- and Frankie was. I, I was. I, we rode up together in a in a minivan together. I think. I think it was a minivan. It was all of us, though. It was me, Frankie, Ali. Went up to Henzo's to train, and then we went down to Phil Nurses to hit bits, and we went and did all this stuff up in New York, and drove all the way back down, all in one day. That's how dedicated this this guy was. He'd go on. I think it was a Monday or a Tuesday. I think it was a Monday. We went up on Monday morning early. Went to Phil Nurses. He admits for like an hour, hour and a half, you know. And then we got done there. Then we went to Henzo's and we rolled there. Did a John Danaher class. Then we trained with everyone there. The fucking room was packed, barely any room to train. You know, we trained there for another hour and a half. So we were there for two hours, went and had lunch, and then we fucking drove back. And when we when we got back, we went straight to the gym, man. Went to Ricardo Almeida's and uh and did some grappling there, a little bit of like MMA sparring. And then he went off. And I was like, Man, I'm done for the day, dog. <laughs> like, I'm done. I don't have a fight. I don't have a fight okay, coming up, I'm man. Tired. I'm good. So you know, the drive and all that. It's, it's, a, it's an hour and a half drive, you know, and traffic and stuff from Tom's River to, to New York. Oh, yeah. Through the city and shit. 
especially go to Henzo's. That is not a good place. No, it's like as through the bridges or the bridges of the tunnel. It's like, gosh, man, fucking pain in the ass. Through the tunnel, actually, not the bridge. But anyways, absolutely stud, dedicated to his craft, you know, family man. And, you know, he's lived with me for a while. He stayed with me for a while, you know, here at AKA when he was training here in the beginning of his career. Absolutely amazing person. So whatever he decides to do, I hope it's uh, hope it's something that he loves. Him being with Ali, though, absolutely. I, I, I think it's a no-brainer. His his relationship, not just with Ali, but his relationship with every fighter on that damn team. Everyone loves him. Yep. How do you not love him? If you ever get a chance to say hi to him, stop him, say hi, because he is a great person. Yep. All right, enough about yes. Frankie. We're blowing him up. <laughs> blowing up. I'm gassing up the friends. All right, next. All right, uh, you guys ready for some fan questions? Let's go. Yeah. All right, let's go. We got about 30 minutes here of fan questions. <clears throat> so... This first one comes from Copious One, who asks, question for Big John. With the amount uh, of footwork and movement it takes to be a good referee, do you physically and mentally prepare more for someone with a fast pace like Colby or Tony? Are you more relaxed if it's a Tim Sylvia kind of fight? Big fan of the show, and thank you for giving us content every week. You're absolutely right. I'm just going to tell you straight out. First off, the hardest fights, I, would t I tell people all the time, the hardest fights to do are the lighter weight fighters. They move way more. You, you've, got to, you've got to do a lot more of your footwork. The footwork of a referee should be very similar to the footwork of a fighter. And, you know, when, I'm, when I train guys, I train them in footwork and how to move and it's how to pivot, how to turn. And you do things that are efficient and put you in the right place to hopefully see what is the most important thing that occurs. But when you're talking about a lot of referees don't like doing heavyweights because it's like, oh man, this is going to be a big knockout. So what? Uh, <laughs> the knockouts or any of that stuff. First off, the heavyweights for the most part are slower. Yes, there's going to be a big knockout. And I see the guy go down. I see, oh, he's done. And I stop the fight. No big deal. It's always the lighter weight fighters. The flyweights are a pain in the ass. Those little bastards are moving all over the damn place, bipping and bopping. And, the, and this is when you, well, when you have a guy like a Dominic Cruz. You know, Dominic yeah. takes weird angles. He has no rhythm. It's a rhythm for him, but it's a strange rhythm for anybody outside of it because you've got to compensate and you want to be in the right place. And you, there's certain things you need to do. So, you know, I would actually... I would move a little bit different when I had Dominic Cruz. There's always going to be differences, and you need to know those differences in those fighters. But the lighter weight fighters, by far, are more work, are harder to move with, and you just got to be on your toes more and be more aware of where you are at and putting your, your body in the right position. Did you do the uh, Dominic Cruz-Cody Garbrandt fight? Yeah. You yeah. did? Yeah. What do you do when they start breakdancing? Do you start breakdancing too, John? No, you Is just that sit, what you do? No, you just sit there and you go, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> that's what I was doing. John's like, man, I wish my body could move like he that. Did, he, he started doing that stuff, right? And I just went, all right, yeah, man. That was good. You are in control it. of this. You are yes. not going to go crazy. Way to go, man. You're, Hands down, the best it, Cody it really, we've ever seen. That moment, though, when, you know, at least in my mind, because there was the question of, look, Dominic is so good at getting under the skin of his opponents. Uh, you know, the whole fight, you know, break, you know, build up and everything. He was just making, you know, all these comments. And he, it was to get Cody to 
be that guy that overextended, you know, did did made a mistake that he could catch him in. And I saw him do that break dance thing as basically like, nope, boop, come on back. And I was like, Yeah, all right, man. There you wow. go. You know, yeah. it, it it showed a lot. That's that little thing showed a whole lot as far as okay. So you're not gonna fall for the bullshit. Way to go. Yeah, I watched that fight in New York City with Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture. We were at the World Series of Fighting. Justin Gaethje fought Buscape, and yeah. Jake Shields fought John Fitch. Yeah, I think it was the night, the next night. But we we watched it the night before, I think, with uh, at some nightclub type bar setting or whatever. But yeah, I, I recall. I thought I thought you were the ref for that fight. Yep. All right, next. <clears throat> next question from Kevin B. Question for Josh. What's a fighter's perspective and thought process uh, when odds come out slash change following weigh-ins slash missing weight, other factors, etc.? Does it rattle a fighter's mindset to see the odds change? What goes through their mind? P.S. Ask Coker to do a Canadian card when he gets the chance. Hashtag and still. Um, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. Some fighter, Every fighter's different. For me, right, when I fought Gilbert the first time, I didn't know until someone had asked me a question like at the presser that week. Hey, do you realize you're a four to one underdog? And I was like, no, I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know that. So, um, it, yeah, it didn't bother me at all. Um, I, I can't, I gotta be honest though. One of the first things I thought about after I won that fight was I'm a four to one underdog and I won that fight. <laughs> I didn't think about it though beforehand. I should have like, bet myself. I should have bet, should have bet on myself. So, I mean, no, I don't think fighters change uh, those things. Now, as a person outside, maybe if a, a fighter watching another fighter not make weight, depending on what they look like on the scale, I may change my bet or I may go and bet one way. But I can't say as a fighter who is the person fighting, I don't, I don't think they really pay attention to the odds. The, also, too, the odds change quite a bit, especially that week of the fight because so many people are betting on them and not betting on them or whatever it is. And so... I don't think I don't think fighters they got enough things on their plate to worry about that week of the fight. They're not worried about the betting odds. And as far as Coker in Canada, bro, email him. <laughs> I guess that's the best I can do. Send him a tweet. Yeah, yeah. You're asking me to ask tell him to go to another country. I, we've been trying to go to other country. We're going. Yeah, I've been trying. <laughs> we've been trying. So he'll he'll he'll. Uh, yeah, that that's a Coker question. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah next all right next question from ace mma question for both who is the most revolutionary mma fighter post house gracie i think it may have been fedor uh he wrote the book on how to beat kickers versus crow cop and how to beat bgj wizards on the ground versus nog uh gsp and bj Penn. i imagine are right up there though I mean, we talked about him earlier on the show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and stroke his ego a little bit more. Is I mean, out at, right after Hoist, I would say Frank Shamrock. After Hoist, then it would go into like BJ yeah. Penn, GSP. Then you know, Marco Huas was kind of in the middle there, just didn't middle. get as much. What? Stop. Beginning. No, 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 no. The middle between Frank and and Hoist. Yes. Okay. The, he was yes. the yeah, yeah. Yes. He was in the middle between he was the Frank middle and between Hoist. Hoist and yeah. Yeah, but he just didn't get as much love. There wasn't as much. There, I think they were dealing with a lot more issues of trying to get this thing legalized and trying to like in certain locations, especially after Hoist and Frank in that middle. They had a lot more problems, right, John? During that that middle time, 
because I, I recall not being able to watch them for a while. It was hard to watch. It was super hard to find them. Well, it was actually right after the when Marco Huis' first fight in the UFC was at UFC 7. Mm-hmm. And it was in Buffalo, New York. And it was a big show, sold out arena, amazing. He, you know, he wins the tournament. He, he ends up leg kicking uh, Paul Varlins, yeah. you know, a guy you know well, um, to the point where Paul couldn't stand anymore and you know, beats him down. He wins the tournament. But he didn't come back and fight again. He fought in the ultimate ultimate. Mm-hmm. He beats Keith Hackney and he loses to Oleg Tuktarov. And then after that, he didn't come back and fight again until he fought um, Rory Smith. Smith at UFC, I think it was 21. Yeah. And uh, he, he had some contract things going on and stuff, and you know they were trying to get him more money and things like that. But at the time, there, you know, it basically was what it was. But Marco Huis was a guy who had gr- great kicks, good stand-up, decent ground game as far as, you know, he wasn't a jiu-jitsu wizard, but he was... He was good at controlling on the ground and stuff. I agree with you. Everything goes in a pro, in a progression. And I always say, you know, I always looked at it. It's kind of like how computers came up because MMA came up at the same time as the internet and basically, you know, a computer the computer explosion. And, you know, Hoist was the 1.0, I would say. And then I would say like a, a Marco Huis, a Chuck Liddell, a Randy Cruz, a 2.0. And then you had a BJ was the 3.0. George St. Pierre, Fedor, 4.0. And yeah. then the 5.0, I'm going John Jones. You know, Got that's it. really the way to look at it. But yeah, there is the, those guys. But if you're going to say, you know, the one guy, it's tough because there's a progression of them throughout time. And, and you needed each one of those guys and what they did and how they changed the game as far as what people did. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 it's funny, but then there, there hasn't been anything past 5.0 because it's just John Jones. So <laughs> <laughs> there hasn't been, yeah, but I agree with you. Yeah, it kind of goes 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, yeah. Yeah, but I would put Frank in that. It was Hoist, then I would say Frank. And Marco, yeah. who also was in the middle there somewhere, like maybe 1.5. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the 37 and a half. <laughs> UFC 37, yeah, 37 and a half. And a half. He was like go. in that, you know, he was in that middle half thing between him and Frank because he, yeah. he did a lot of good things. He was the first guy that did the foot stamps, foot stomps. Right? Oh yeah, yep. Foot yeah, stomps. so he was kind of like the guy that kind of those the those are the and the leg kicks were super nasty and vicious from him. He was good, man. He was good, but I thought he was kind of that chain between him and Frank. Great guy, Hoist and Frank. I I used to have yeah. a a shirt that I that I sold at my gym, and it's what did it say? Something about you know I, I uh, something like I did this before everyone thought it was cool. Yep. Or something like that, and I sent him. I, one of the guys I sent one to was Marco, and he sent me a picture of him wearing it. You know, it was like, and it was like, he seems like a good guy. He's a great guy. I met him now one Laguna time. Miguel. I met him one time in uh, in turn and just in passing, just like, hey, how are you? And he was with a group of other fighters that were talking, and uh, I didn't really get a chance yeah. to talk with him. But I was like relatively young. I think I was like only twenty years old. Oh, he time. definitely had a temper, man. I'll tell you what, I, oh, I was man. there a couple times where. He would, uh, someone would say something and he, out of his camp, and all of a sudden he'd start fighting. <laughs> he'd just like throw the guy down, start thumping him. Right? He, he, there was, there was a dude, I don't know if you, uh, what was his name? I want to say Marco Albuquerque was the guy's name. And he, he went around like he was a, a trainer of guys and a manager of guys. And that dude pissed Marco who was off so bad. Marco's beat the shit out of him in this suite. I was like, 
Yeah, don't fuck with Marco Lewis. He doesn't care if he's What's this guy's name? I want to say it was Marco Albuquerque. Look him up, Dave. Let's see what this guy looks like. I don't even think he's Marco got. I don't think he's got a. I don't think he ever had a, a fight. I mean, you can maybe no, well, maybe you can find him up on media. Google. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's try and see what this guy looks like. There might be old school pictures of him. Maybe with bumps on his head. That's not him. He's gonna be kind of bald looking. Kind of bald right there on the what's that top there? Jiu-jitsu? No, no, that's not. No, him. there's a bald looking guy there. There's a bald looking. Hold it. Hold it. The one with the black something. Let me see that guy's face. The second picture, second picture from the uh, the one with the red. Stop. That one right there. Nope. Yeah. yeah. yeah go back. back with, the one with the red. No, no, one over with the red right. No, that's him right in the black shirt right there. Oh, the guy in the middle. The guy oh, in the shit. middle between Krokop and uh, Hoist. That's him. Ah, man, yeah. Hoist, man. Look how thick Hoist looked back then. Yeah. Hoist is uh, it's all lean and ripped right now. Yep. But that's Damn. Marco Albuquerque right there. Yeah, I, I watched Marco. Marco put a thumping on. <laughs> who else? Who uh, Marco put a thumping on Marco? Who, who else put Marco a put a thumping on Marco? <laughs> Not so great, man. All right, next. All right, next question is for Big John from. Oh, it's a Russian name. I can't even pronounce that. Um, what's your memories about Connor's KO against Aldo? You were in the cage that night. What was your reaction? Did Connor's punch look and sound that scary when you were there near both fighters? Oh man, I'll tell you what. You know the the truth of what I can you know I remember the whole thing, but it was the the buildup was big, and this is one of the things that's kind of funny is you get into those and, and Josh will tell you you get into things become so normal and natural that people are like, Oh, do you get excited? No, I don't get excited. You know, and you, do you get, you get, you know, like, you know, scared. No, I don't get scared, but it, you'll, you know, and you got to figure like I was traveling and doing fights all the time, I, thousands and thousands of fights. So you get used to, you know, Hey, I go in, I do my job and, you know, I don't look at it in any different way as far as, you know, who the fighters are. I, I want to do the, you know, the same job, even though you referee all fights a little bit different. But that fight, I remember when, you know, Connor came in the cage and he did this thing and then Aldo did. And I got this like buzz. I remember it. And I got this buzz going down my spine. I went, oh. This one may be a little bit different. Obviously, you know, I was feeling that this was a big fight. And so as soon as it started, if you notice, Connor will come out. He's southpaw. And Aldo comes out and he is orthodox, which means that their backs are to me and I don't want to be on that side. So as they come out and approach, I, I'm doing a quick shuffle around to get my ass to the open side of both fighters. And I had just set my feet basically when Connor throws this little kick, right? And all of a sudden I see Aldo and I see, you can see Aldo kind of loading up. And I'm thinking, okay, he's gonna throw. And all of a sudden they come together and they both threw, but Connor's got there and I see Aldo just doing the, he looks like a tree falling down, boom. And you know, again, it's the way a fighter falls. It tells you a lot. So as soon as he fell, you know, I'm looking at the way he's falling. He's falling face forward. So I'm trying to get over there as fast as I can without hopefully going to touch them as I'm watching him fall because I want to see his response as he hits the ground. 
And when he hits the ground and there was no response, you just see me try to push Connor off because I realized he's not going to be able to defend himself as Connor is coming down with a hammer fist. And that was it. You know, it, it was a, it was fast. It was explosive, but that was everything that went through my mind at that, that time. Yeah. It's uh, it, ha- it all happened so fast. Oh, you know, man, it's, yep. um, you, you don't realize until you go back. You're like, man, I remember that. I remember that. Fuck. It seemed like it happened so much faster in the, in the cage. When you watch it though at home, it's like, man, that was really slow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it does, it does happen fast, especially when you're live in the action. Yep. Um, next. Sean McLaughlin asks, what happens if an interim title fight goes to a draw? Only similar situation I can recall is when Uno versus Penn was for the vacant lightweight title and then that was a draw. Go ahead, Josh. I'm waiting. (laughs) There's there's no interim title given. No. What people need to look at is this. First off, if there's an interim title up for grabs and it's a draw, there's there's no champion. There's no interim champion. If there is an interim title and you have a draw, again, there's no champion. It doesn't stay with somebody. You're really not, you're nothing anymore. It's only the champion. When the champion uh, has that undisputed title and there's a draw, he remains champion. That makes sense. Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah, because I was gonna actually gonna ask you what you what you just answered. If I am the interim champ, say the champ still can't fight, and I am the interim champ, and I fight somebody else, and it ends up being a draw. There is do I no keep interim, my interim title. No, so it's there weird. is no interim. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. All right, but I'm sure there's some promotion along the way would say you're still my champion because in yeah. the, and this is what you need to f- figure out. It's not all belts. The UFC belts, the Bellator belts, you know, KS One, Cage Warriors One, whatever. They're promotional belts, you know, and uh, the promotion can do whatever it wants. When when Charles Oliveira misses weight in the Justin Gaethje fight, it wasn't the commission that took his belt. It was the UFC. They're the ones in control of that belt, not the commission. The commission has no rights over that belt. They can do nothing. The UFC is the one that determines we are stripping you of the belt. But wait, can the UFC give him the belt if he wins? Can the UFC decide if he wins, he's still the lightweight champion? Yes. Hmm. Yes, they can. It is their belt. Okay, I want you to think about this. A couple of times they actually handed belts to people. Okay? But they were already champions somewhere else. Aldo was the champion in the WEC at Featherweight. He comes over to the UFC and... They made him the champion before his first fight in the UFC. They gave him that belt. Ronda Rousey was the strike force champion, right? She beat Misha Tate, dislocated Misha's arm, and then she comes over, and before her fight with Liz Carmouche, they they didn't say that, oh, this is a fight, you know, you know, both women going to fight for the title, neither one's champion. They made Ronda Rousey the champion before that fight ever took place she was the champion walking in that cage yeah though that's because there was no weight class though they didn't have those weight classes previously what are you talking there about wasn't a one there wasn't a one the ufc pound weight class. yeah the ufc yeah. didn't have those weight classes yes before you're right exactly yeah same with uh i think dominic cruz didn't they, they he also coming over from uh the wc, WC. 
was put in as the champion of the the one that they had a they had the tournament in was for the flyweight. Yeah. Yeah, but then certain fighters, right? Because like Pettis was the champ in the WEC, but then yeah, he but wasn't. there was already a champion. There was already a champ in the UFC. Yes. Yep. Yep. Got it. Next. Uh, VLPL asks question for both. You guys said not all close fights is a robbery, but which fight in MMA you can give us an example that you think or feel it was a robbery? Ooh, you caught me off guard. I got to prepare for these ones. Yeah, that's that's just off yeah, the top my memory of your head. Is, trying yeah. to remember a, a questionable um, fight. Let me see. What fight was a robbery? Yeah, which one? Come on, Josh. We all know that John thinks Max and Volk 2 is a robbery. I'm not saying that's a robbery, but that, that was a, to me, it was clear that Max won three rounds of that fight. Yeah. If you go back and watch the the real questionable round in that is the fourth round. Hmm. Go back and watch it. Man, I'll tell you what, it's tough for me to say that Max didn't win that round. But that's that's life. Hmm. I'm trying to th- I, off the top of my head, I can't really think of a fight that would really be considered a robbery. Um I think you see him probably more in more in boxing. Like just, <laughs> like just blatant robberies. You see him more in boxing. You know, um All right, well gosh. then let's let's do this let's do this next one then and maybe it will come to you and you can go back to it. Kanan Duggar asks, in your guys' opinion, how do you think Volk, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky would fare against lightweights like Charles and Islam? Super curious on how he'd perform it that way. Love your guys' show. Wait, hmm. Volkanovsky against who? Charles and Islam. I'm going to get so much heat for this. Yes, you are. Go ahead. I'm waiting. I am. <laughs> Look, at Volkanovski is a phenomenal fighter. You can take nothing from him. Uh, he has just obliterated the, the featherweight division. You know, Max Holloway is the one guy that you can look at and say, he's the one that's come closest to actually, you know, beating Volkanovski in the fight now Ortega had his moments in that I want to say third round where he mm-hmm. got the topside guillotine and he got the triangle choke mm-hmm. but other than those two you know it was pretty clear that um, Volkanovski right. was just able to you know dominate most of the, most of the rounds except for that one fight with Max uh, He's been phenomenal. Now to sit there and say, is he going to go up and is he going to beat Oliveira? He could. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you. Oh no, he can't. Yeah. He absolutely could. You know, as far as we've seen that, look at Brian Ortega is a damn good submission fighter. That guy has got great jujitsu, mm-hmm. and the fact that he locked on that topside guillotine and couldn't make it work. It says a lot about, you know, and there's certain guys out there that, you know, they're not unsubmittable, but goddamn, they're close. They are tough. <laughs> yeah. And Alexander Volkanovsky is yeah. one that is proven. He's one that's close. And so I'm not too sure that he would be that fearful of the ground. I know he would be respectful of it, but he's not going to be fearful of it. He'll be respectful of that and he'll be respectful of the stand up, but I think he'll believe that his stand up, he's got power that. He can hurt uh, Oliveira. And the fight with Islam, you know, I think that he's going to look and say, 
I don't think you can take me off my feet for one. And, uh, you know, in the standup, I'm going to tell you right now in the standup, I'd say the Volkanovsky has the advantage over Islam. Josh is going to you know, refute that. And he's going to, you know, say, no, you're wrong. But I really do because he believes in his standup way more than Islam does. Islam uses his standup to get into the grappling situation. That's where he does his best. Can he take Volkanovsky down? I believe he could, but at it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. But can take him down at will. He definitely could. But to sit there and say, you know, is Volkanovsky a guy that, you know, oh, if he went up and wait, oh, he couldn't beat those guys? Like the guy's a hell of a fighter. He could beat anybody. This is true, John. I'm going to say all the things that you said I'm going to say. Okay. Islam Islam is going to ragdoll Volkanovsky around. He's going to there you go. Him. He's going to hip toss him. He's going to do all those things. <laughs> could Volkanovsky beat Islam? He absolutely could. He could. There's a chance. There's a chance. Okay. I mean, what I'm saying is Volkanovsky, you got a chance. Okay. In terms of you fighting. Got a chance. But I look at it too with Oliveira. Same thing. Oliveira, I think, mops him all over the mat everywhere. Okay, and it, sure, maybe there's the style of the body style might be a little bit of a difference. You know, Oliveira is good in terms of transitions. Um, he's good on the feet. He's gonna the the reach and the height of that the way he does his stand up leg kick type of thing and the push kicks and all that stuff. It's gonna give Volkanovski some problems. But could Volkanovski beat him? He sure he sure as fucking hell can. You know, when you have somebody like a Volkanovski and, and not just him. I look at other guys, like I think of Max Holloway. They'd have some success as well in 155. If he put the weight on properly, sorry, if he put the weight on properly, if he came in and took the time to really build up his muscle and strength and all of those things to go along with it and was able to properly nutrition down, that type of stuff, I think that Max would have a very successful career at 55. I don't know if he'd become champion, but I think he'd be in that top two or three. I definitely believe that. Um, so... Those guys, I think, transition better to 55 only based on the fact because they're fast. They're explosive, they're fast, and they've already kind of wiped out the rest of the division. Those guys, are they're basically just the two guys left. I look at it a little bit like how it was Gil and I in the strike force days. It was like the two of us just at the top going, okay, look, you, I'm going to fight one guy, come back, fight you again. You're going to go fight one guy, come back, fight me again. Those two guys keep, just keep seem, they seem to keep doing the same thing. They just, Volkanovski just keeps winning. Max goes off and beats somebody, comes back, fights are close. But both those guys can fight for sure at that in that um 155-pound weight class. Um, I would like to see Volk go up. I would. Um, but I would also like to be able to kind of handpick his guys. I think that for him, with the amount of with the level, if he beats Max again, let's say he beats Max again, there's nothing left for him in that division. Go. Go give it a try. You know, give it one shot. Keep your title. Give it a shot. Have them fight an interim title, whoever it is. Go there. Give it a shot one time at the title. If you don't get it, you don't get it against whoever the champ is. If it's Islam, great. If it's if it's Oliveira, great. If it's, I don't know, whoever it is at the time you decide to go and do that fight, if you win it, okay, then you're there You're there to stay, buddy. But if you don't, you go back down to 45 and just keep beating the guys that are actually in your own weight class. But I, I mean, I love when guys try to challenge themselves because a lot of guys can just sit at the top and be like, yeah, there's nothing there for me. Like, I, I was surprised that John Jones didn't do this way sooner. Knowing that he had beaten DC and DC had had success at, at heavyweight, 
I was surprised that John's like, you know what? I'm fucking out of here. Why am I cutting weight? Why am I doing this? I can beat these guys at heavyweight. He should have done it before he fought Reyes, Dominic Reyes, and uh, and Santos. Santos and Anthony Smith. He should have left then. I mean, it really just seemed like he was. He was like, ah, I'm kind of bored with this situation. He Most was bored with it. They I think that was great. part of the problem. Yeah. So I would have liked to have seen him bounce out sooner. That's the problem sometimes is that you start to lose your luster from the fans. Like they're just like, yeah, you know, his numbers were never really that great to watch any of those guys fight. Had he made that change during that time when he was still a little bit younger, had a little bit more left in the tank and motivated himself, I think that we wouldn't be having this conversation we're in now with him. I think with Volkanovski, you're going to run into the same thing. If he keeps beating all these guys the way he's beating them, the fights are a little bit closer in terms of there's some action in there. But, I mean, he's doing a great job promoting himself. He takes care of himself. He's a true he's a true athlete in terms of he takes care of his body. He takes care of, you know, he's doing him, doing everything he needs to do to continue to be the best 145-pounder, you know, in the UFC. So I look at it that I'd like to see him challenge himself at 155, maybe after this max fight. I can't think of anybody else that really I'd like to see him fight. Maybe Yair if Yair starches Ortega. But if he doesn't starch Ortega, then I have no interest really. I'm like, yeah, move on. Go. Yeah. There's better. There's bigger fish to fry up in the 155-pound weight class. I agree. Next. All right, we'll wrap up on this question with Josh's favorite fighter from Jad Hold on, are, hold on. Are, we, are, we, are we going back to the robbery one? Are we thinking about that? Are you thinking about Do you have anything? one? Do you have one? I don't have one. I, I, I have... Two. Okay. What I, what, what, okay. What I, if you remember, and I say I don't want to say robbery though, because it's like, yeah, it was a mistake in my opinion. Fedor fought Fabio Maldonado. Yeah, and I, I believe it was. I don't want to say if it was the first round or second round. He gets rocked. He gets hurt bad, and he barely makes it out of that round. It was a ten-eight round easy no doubt mm. and then he wins two rounds it should have been a draw but mm -hmm. he ends up getting i think a majority decision one judge went 10-8 uh, on it and he got a majority decision win over maldonado when he shouldn't have that should have been a draw mm. the, the other one i i can remember always freaking having a problem with was um number one leota machida when he fought shogun who the first time they mm -hmm. fought in, in uh california and i was like there's no way look at right there you just pulled it up right there 104 leota machida defeats uh, mauricio hua that one there was no way in my that i could see how they picked machida winning that fight i thought i mm -hmm. thought shogun landed better shots heavier shots just everything and Judges gave it to uh, Machida. That's why they had a rematch, and then Shogun took the belt from him, knocking him out. So, yeah, I but I look at these. I I see like num one of the number one is George St. Pierre and Johnny Hendricks. That wasn't a robbery. That was a close fight. They were that back close and forth. Yeah, that, was a, that was not a robbery. But you could all, you could also look at. Um, I'm just on Frankie Edgar. Yeah, Frankie Edgar, who, who we were talking about. You know earlier, but Frankie had the first fight with Gray Maynard. Yeah. Okay, that ended in a draw. Yeah. When, if I think all the judges gave a ten-eight round to Gray Maynard in the first round, could it have been a ten-seven? Ten-seven. 
Yeah, but that's See? when they weren't as uh, they weren't oh, as yeah, yeah. they were. What they is were it called? Hesitant when they don't hand them out. They were hesitant to do ever because it only been done a couple times. Yeah, you know, and so but you look and you go, yeah, that could have been it. That's a ten seven round. I can understand where someone says, ah, oh, but Frankie kind of came back and look, he got just way late in that round. Mm-hmm. He was on skates throughout most of it, and so it could have been a ten seven round. So you could say that that, but again, robbery. I don't, I don't go with robbery. Yeah. If I was, I can go through, you just brought up a good point with Frank Yeager. If I was going to say maybe one that comes to mind. Benson Henderson, was, number two. Yes. Yeah. Benson yeah. and Frankie, number two. To me, it was very clear cut that Frankie won that fight. I thought he did. But I haven't seen that fight in a long time. But I I flew out there to help Frankie train for that fight. Fought Southpaw with him and all that stuff with some other guys. But that's how I met uh, Dustin Poirier. Um, to me, that f- I was I thought it was very clear cut that Benson or that Frankie won that fight over Benson. But I got to go back and watch it again and see. But I mean, the, the, to me, if I'm gonna say robbery, it's so hard to say that they're robberies, man. Like, no, you know, I, there's not I, many of them out there. Here's one for you. I don't know if you've ever seen this fight, but I watched uh, this trilogy. And it had this guy named uh, Gilbert Melendez against this other dude named Josh Thompson. <laughs> the third fight, look at the first first one, you beat him 50-45 on all the cards, I believe. Second one, he won. There's no doubt he won. It yep. was, I think, 48-47 on two and 49-46 on one or something like that. Mm-hmm. The third fight, you won that fight. Yeah. You I won that like fight. 48-47, no doubt about it. person to tell me. But it's, you know, it, it is, is what it is. is. And to sit there and say, is it a robbery? No. Yeah. You know? No. I go back and I've watched that fight. I watched that fight a couple times. Yeah, it's frustrating. It is. But, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. I mean. Didn't you almost fight him in Bellator before you retired? Yeah, there was talk. They tried. There was talk. Yeah, there was some issues. But um, it had nothing to do with Bellator. It had nothing to do with finances. (laughs) It had to do with some other stuff. So. Oh. All right, let's go. All right. What's your last one? Wrapping up, uh, <laughs> question for both. How do you think Michael Chandler's career would have uh, would look like if he went to the UFC earlier in his career? Young Michael Chandler. I know that Josh's favorite fighter is Michael Chandler. <laughs> um, I think he would have been successful. I mean, bottom line is it depends on when he would have went though as well. If he would have went during the Eddie Alvarez time, I think he probably would have been he would have a little bit more success. The fact that he's going now during this time, when back when the Eddie Alvarez first came in, there wasn't a lot of top level Dagestan, like Charles was not there. You know, there's Justin Gaethje wasn't there. I mean, like there was there was a little bit of a void in that 155 pound weight class at the time. You had Benson, who's not there anymore. You had myself, you had Pettis. Twice. Pettis, you know, not there. Uh, Nate Diaz was fighting for the title, like myself, Gray Maynard, Frankie. There was guys that were in there. What was his name? The one that left with the concussion, Grant Neal? TJ Grant. TJ Grant. TJ Grant. Grant, He ended up getting a concussion, was gone. So that that time frame, to be honest, UFC didn't have the best 55-pounders in the world at the time. I mean, they, they did, but they didn't. Like, they did. They had really good guys that were in there, me being included one of them, but... There was there was there was a need for someone like an Eddie Alvarez. That's why when he came over, it was like, oh shit, he's here. And the same thing with Michael Chandler when he came over. Like if Chandler would have came when Eddie came, 
you would have been in store for a lot of great matchups for all of them. But that's the thing with the USC, though. And I'm going to be honest. All I ever heard when I was with Strike Force, man, I can't wait for you to come over here and fight Cowboy Cerrone and Pettis. Never got offered the fights. You would think that would have been like, hey, these are the first. I called for them. I, I mean, after I beat Nate, I was like, I don't give a shit where, where Donald Cerrone's ranked. He was ranked like seven or eight or something like that. I said, I'll fight that guy. I want that fight. That's a great fight. Certain fighters motivate you. There were certain fighters that I really wanted to fight in my career. And no disrespect to, to, to Cowboy. I just, I loved watching no, you, Cowboy fight. You like that competition. I love that competition. He motivated me to be a better fighter. He yeah. was, he, I loved everything about him. I loved his Cowboy hat. I loved, well, I'd, I'd seen him. He was a fucking great one of, fighter. One of the most respectful things you can say is, man, you are someone that motivates me. I yeah. want to fight you because I have so much respect for you. I yeah. love the way you fight. I love the, your, the way you, you handle yourself in the cage. Mm -hmm. what, what, there's no disrespect there. These fighters that come over from other organizations, right, they have this in their mind. Like, all I've heard for years is I couldn't beat that guy. Well, that guy motivates me the most, and that's the guy that I want to match up with. That's, that's all I ever heard. Oh, you couldn't beat Cowboy. And I never was offered the fight. I wanted that <laughs> fight. You know, I mean, I took the RDA fight, and um, – and then they called me and said, hey, we're actually going to have you fight Pettis instead for the title. And I was like, all right, cool. But I was already signed to fight RDA. And they canceled that fight because I, they offered me the title shot. I said, okay, for sure. Let's do that. So, I mean, I wanted certain fights. I wasn't too motivated on the RDA thing, but I understood it was a good and it was a very dangerous fight. It was a yep. good fight. Um, he did motivate me, but not like the way that, that Pettis or, or Cerrone did. I, just, I had always heard for years you couldn't stand with those guys. You couldn't. You, how would you beat them? You're not. You're not good enough to take them down. I was like, man, I'm fucking get these guys. I'm gonna get them. Watch, you know. And so, and Nate had just fought for the title. So, what better guy to fight than Nate Diaz? And so, there was guys. And there's guys like with Michael Chandler. I've never. I I talk about Michael in terms of being a person. I'm not a fan of him as a person. Now, as a fighter, I'm a huge fan. And and you have to learn as a, as not just an analyst, but as a person. Like in your in your heart or who you are as a person, how to separate those things. You can give people credit for their success. I give him credit for his success all the damn time. You know, he deserves it. He's a hard worker. He pushes himself. He fucking lays it all on the line. You can't, you can't take anything away from him that way. Okay? Me not liking him has to do with him as a person. That's it. That's as much as I can say about it. You know, I like to poke fun at them because the, of that situation. But that's it, though. That's all. You know, one day, maybe, who knows? And look, and we, we can all talk. John can contest to this. Is I'm not a huge Conor McGregor fan. I don't like him because of my connection with Khabib, Islam, AKA, all those things. I'm not a fan of him. We had him on the show, and I acted like a professional. And that's really what it comes down to. You have to be that way. I have to be that way. And one day, maybe. I've actually even asked Podcast Dave. We've invited Nate Diaz on this podcast. And said, hey, if you want to come on, I'd love to have you on, man. Talk about it. Talk about you, your brother, your history of how great you guys are and been for the sport. He turned it down. I get it. Whatever. And I, I would do the same thing for Michael Chandler. If he wants to come on and we can tell the world uh, uh, reasons why we don't like each other, you know, then that's fine as well. And if you want to talk about fights, I'm fine with that too. I'm not refereeing as anymore. As a professional, that's but that's what you got to do. As a professional, you got to learn to do that, yeah. you know? I mean, there's guys that didn't get along in the NBA, but they're sitting at the desk now together up there talking about how they used to beat each other, you know, but they all do it in fun because when you're done with fighting and you're done with everything, it doesn't matter anymore. No. Like, let that shit go. Actually, so, but uh, I do, I think he'd be, I think he would have been, if he would have came when Eddie came, 
there's a good chance he would have been the UFC champ. That's the way I look at it. I mean, him and Eddie had battles, and those are great fights. Eddie became UFC champ, and Chandler for sure could 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 have beat Eddie, and he could have beat anybody else that was there at that time. Yeah, I I agree with what Josh is saying as far as I think that the time period for Michael to actually be the guy in the UFC was about four to five years ago. Mm-hmm. If he would have come at that Eddie when he was about twenty nine thirty, come over when Eddie had uh, come over. Would have been a perfect time for him. He would have done extremely well. Not that he's not doing well now. Not that he's not a great fighter now. But he's more towards the end of his career. More towards the the latter part. He's taken more damage. He took damage when he was in Bellator. He's he's taken damage when he's in the UFC. And you can only take so much of that before it starts to affect your performance and what you're able to do. Now, he had a great last fight against Tony. That was an incredible knockout. And he's got more left in the tank. But... Do I think he would have done better five years ago? Yeah, absolutely. He was a younger, maybe not as smart a fighter. Yeah, sometimes. And even, yes. then, yeah. even then. Even <laughs> but, then. Yeah, he would be, he's always a guy, look, he's going to bite down and he's going to go. That's who he is. But, uh, yeah, five years ago would have been better for him. Because I look at the guys that were in that weight class at that time. Oh, yeah. There was so much just like there was so much shuffling going on. Right now, you know who the top five guys are because they've been there, except for Darius. He just got in there. But you have those guys that are in there, though. You've got Gaethje's been there forever. Dustin's been there for a while now. Charles now has made his run, but he's been the champ now for a couple of years. <clears throat> You've got guys that are in there. That are making you know making it happen, so they're they're gonna be there. Islam now is just into that, but he's gonna be there for a while, I would imagine. You know, um, other guys that that top five has been set for a while, and those are the hardest ones to break into because they're so damn good, and they've been fighting each other. They're all been making each other better. When you go back to when when I was there, that 2012, 2013, with the influx of Gilbert, myself, these guys were all good, but they were not there. I don't think that those guys were at the level of the guys that are there right now. Yeah, they just, and so I think that Eddie and I think that that Chandler would have had a lot. They had Eddie won the championship. I mean, that says it all, you know. And then Chandler coming in. I mean, Chandler, I think would have had a good chance of beating him if they fought for a, a third time or whatever it was, okay. you know. So that w- it would have made for a, a lot more exciting fights, and he would have still had some left in the gas tank. He'd probably still be making a run right now. He would have helped stabilize that division. I think during that time, because he was he's a he's a mainstay in terms of his comp- his competitiveness. Nice oh, stud. All right, guys. Well, hey, that's gonna wrap up our show. Go to WayneInPodcast.com, pick up some of our merch, and uh, we've got sweatshirts, right? Right. We right? got sweatshirts, sweatshirts, long sleeve shirts, short sleeve shirts, all different colors. We got the hindsight is fifty fifty. The hashtag and still is available as well. And so uh, I will not give I will not give Podcast Dave any respect with our merch until he brings me a good hat. I don't want a Gilligan <laughs> hat. I want a hat. I love I want Gilligan a baseball hats. hat. I love Gilligan hats. Let me uh let me uh show the world this, the hashtag free cane shirt. Beautiful. It's available on lionsnotsheep.com, right? Lions not sheep, which is what John's yeah. wearing, so lions not sheep. That is the only website that all of the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds go to Cain Velasquez's family. So please support. Please look out for uh, for my boy. And please help as much as you possibly can. Shirts, I believe, are $30. Uh, but hashtag free cane is available They're at lionsnotsheep.com. And like I said, all the proceeds go to him and his family for attorney fees, basically. All right. So, John, take us away. 
Everyone out there, I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy yourself with your family. Do something kind for somebody. It'll make you feel better. It'll make them be better. So we will see you.